Welcome to the Blockchain Hustle, where I take a look at some interesting plays of how blockchain technology is opening up new business vistas across multiple industries. Hi everyone, this is your host Meenu Sareen with the third episode of the Blockchain in Public Sector series. In the first episode of the series, I had shared on uh, what you can expect. So basically uh, exploring what we will explore in the series, uh, kind of outlining the contents. And uh, in the previous one, I presented some fodder for thinking on the role of the public sector, the threefold role of citizens, citizens as customers or consumers of the public services, partners and members of the state, the citizens' expectations from the public sector and the transforming public-private engagement model which included things like governing for the citizens to governing with the citizens, the organization silos to organization networks, public sectors transforming from huge monolithic entities to small, flexible, goal-oriented ones, and uh, from a leadership trust to trust in each other. Now, in this episode, taking up from there, I will explore on what does all this entail? Can technology help there? And specifically, how does blockchain help? So at the onset, let me reiterate that uh, the benefits here are best gained when multiple techs are at play. And in this case, it is going to be a combination of AI, Internet of Things, smart sensors, smart electronics and others along with blockchain. But my special focus here is on blockchain as to how blockchain can catalyze this. So what does this entail? Uh, for this, I will list out a few required facets, a few points and uh, the corresponding blockchain features that can be leveraged for the same. So here's the list. The first one is the requisite infrastructure of shared systems, shared data, shared technology, processes, policies and regulations on which the citizen-centric services can be envisaged, they can be built and implemented. And uh, the blockchain features which help here is the very basic stuff here for the blockchain, which is being a distributed shared ledger. And along with it, it's the consensus mechanism. The second one is safe, secure and resilient record keeping. Now, who is the default record keeper for us all? It is a government. The government is the default record keeping for keeper for its citizens. And uh, however, there are risk concerns of storing the data in national silos. And the blockchain features which can help here are uh, the blockchain has a cryptographic encryption. Then there is a mitigated single point of failure risk. Because your data is on multiple nodes, it's a distributed database. You do not have just one single copy of your data stored in one point, in one node. So your single point of failure risk is addressed to a large extent. And then you also have the option to store your sensitive data off-chain. The next one is uh, you need a collaborative citizen government engagement, a participatory government. The citizens are no longer passive consumers of the public services. They want to be engaged and empowered to co-design and co-deliver the public services. They're increasingly active stakeholders. 
as far as a blockchain is concerned now. So what happens is that certain functions and data, they may need to be kept private within the key decision-making holders, the key stakeholders. And certain decisions and data can be shared or it could be public. And this can be achieved via different network or protocol combinations, like you have uh, public, uh, public blockchain, private blockchain, permissioned, permissionless hybrid. And uh, with this, only the pertinent information is shared and the rest can remain encrypted and inaccessible. The next one is on the operational efficiency and security. Now, this entails reducing the redundancy, ensuring your data integrity and the data consistency across organizations. So there are several instances when a citizen has to give his data at multiple entities within uh, the government, within the public sector. Now, this data can be stored or can be used in different formats, but the data by itself has to be consistent. It, there cannot be a data inconsistency here across the different entities of the public sector. And uh, auditability is another feature which is required. And blockchain achieves this by, again, the shared and distributed ledger, decentralized, transparent and through provenance because you know you can track and trace uh, where the information, where the data, where the asset is going from where to where, the provenance feature helps in the auditability. The next one is to reduce the bureaucracy, discretionary power and corruption and fraud. Uh, again, the decentralization feature of the blockchain comes into the picture here. Uh, there is no one central repository or one central entity which is uh, controlling all the functions, uh, which has the sole power. Uh, the other one is uh, once you have the data uh, or the record is there, it's immutable. You can't change that. And then a very strong feature of the blockchain which helps out here is the smart contracts. So. It is automated. So basically it is that as and when the conditions are met, at the same time, the action is triggered. So there is no kind of a discretionary power thing which comes into the picture. And uh, fraud can be addressed by the provenance feature. The last one here I have is on the increased trust with citizens in the government processes and record keeping. And this is achieved through the transparency and traceability. So now with this brief background on what this transforming public-private engagement model entails and what a few of the blockchain features, how they can enable this, let's get into how do we go about it and what is actually happening. Now the four main areas in the public sector which hold the most promise for blockchain, the low-hanging fruits, where are they? I would cite these areas as ones where there is a lack of transparency and trust between the parties. One where governance is complex. One where intermediation and interoperability are not efficient. And another one is where there is a need for a single time and a single window of providing information by the stakeholders. So often, most of us have to go to multiple entities and give the same information over and over again because each entity says that, no, we are, this is how we work, this is the information we need, 
or we do not get this communication, this information from another entity and so forth. So that single window is not there. So where there is a need for this once only principle, that would be a good hanging fruit for uh, blockchain in the public sector. Now, keeping these four main areas in mind, let me now zone into specific group of use cases where blockchain can serve in the public sector, the use cases which are being tested right now. And uh, there are three categories out here. The first one is enhancing the quality of citizens' engagement and welfare services. The second is increasing operational efficiency and security. And the third one is public governance and decision making. Now, let me give you a few examples in each one of them. Enhancing quality of the citizen engagement and welfare services. Examples here include things like um, your asset ownership and registries, the movement of assets of value, your uh, identity management, notarizing academic credentials, redistribution of the public money grants, social transfers and pensions. Increasing operational efficiency and security. Examples here are facilitating the product lifecycle tracking, food safety and sourcing, custom clearance, public procurements, facilitation of your economic transactions. And under the public governance and decision making, things can come, the use cases would be like voting, uh, the intra-government coordination, how to address tax fraud and evasion, corruption and bribery. So now that we have gone through this, uh, what I'll cover in the next episode is what the governments currently are doing uh, in blockchain. And in this, I'll cite examples from Europe, India, UAE and Thailand. So uh, this is all for today's episode and I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you for listening in. You've been listening to the Blockchain Hustle. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, please do leave a short review. Like it, share it, download it, subscribe to it. What should I talk about next? Please do let me know your suggestions by writing to me at minu at vlsiconsultancy.com or through any of the other contact channels as shared in the episode notes. Thank you.